You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Hey y'all. What's up guys? Welcome back. I had a welcome back song, but I forgot it. So. Well, we are the kids. We're back again for another episode of season. Girl, I forgot. Girl, it. I six or seven. Do not give me a line. Y'all. But we didn't commit it to giving y'all these episodes. And I am just very proud of us for sticking to it because life be life. Man. Just want to throw that out there. Life be life. (laughs) I can't, I don't even have nothing to say to that because it do. And, (laughs) you know, you just got to wake up (laughs) in life. (laughs) Yeah, just, you know. Because you can't not do it. That is also true. Very, very, very true. So yeah, we here. Do you have a millennial minute for this episode? Yes, I do. I was gonna say though, before we go into the episode, this so this is gonna be another mini so, but I feel like it's not gonna be as bad as our (laughs) delirious (laughs) episode. Because I'm I we are both in the bed. Um but I'm not as tired as that episode. I feel like that one was off the deep end. Girl, that one was a lot. We were just like going absolutely crazy. And we were not under the influence. So <laughs> it was literally just deliriousness. It might have been better if we were under the influence. <laughs> that level that level of delirious for me is like way worse than me. Yeah. Child. Yeah. But huh. to kick off this episode, um, I do have a millennial minute shout out. Um, mine is going to go to um, a young lady by the name of Jessica Miles, who's also my line sister. Hey, girl. Um, but Jessica girl. owns a company called Building a Better Detroit. It is a construction management company. You can find her on Instagram at Building a Better Detroit. Uh, and she is, you know, trying to make her mark in the construction world. So shout out to Jessica. Hey, shout out to you, girl. Uh, women in construction world just is amazing to me because it's something that we don't see often. And exactly. I feel like there's a market for it um, all the time because women are great and we do great things. Um, yeah. But just being in that male-dominated field, there's so much opportunities for support, um, leadership, just all kinds of things. So definitely a uh, shout-out to her. Woo-woo. Oh, I actually have a Millennial Minute as well that I just came up with while you were talking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Whatever, it's been a long day. So I'm going to give my Millennial Minute to Miss Miani. She owns... Um, Beauty Anthology, which is a hair 
um, salon that is in, I can't, I think that's Southfield. I'm going to say it's Southfield. I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. But um, <laughs> Niani is amazing. She also um, hosts a, a safe space for black girls who don't know how to braid is I think what it's called, um, where she teaches how to braid and just um, the basics of hair care for, uh, for those that don't know how to braid. I, I think that it's, you know, some of us, uh, including myself, I thought it was just like a rite of passage. Like everyone knows how to pray. And that's not the case. Um, I learned at a very yeah. young age, but, you know, there's so many opportunities for it. And to just be able to learn from another black woman how to care for our natural curls is amazing. Um, Niani is one of the two people. No, I'm sorry. One of the three people that I have let touch my locks. Um, for those who don't know, I've had locks for a little bit over two years now. I'm very, very, very picky on who touches my head. And Niani blesses me every single time. Um, she did my color. She does the style. She does everything. So shout out to Niani. Uh, we will include both um, of the young ladies that we spoke about today. We'll include their social media information in our post and in our episode details. So shout out to y'all. And shout out to both our Millennial Minute shout outs being women for Women's History Month because period. Yes, and that was not planned, but I already know. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Women's History Month, uh, Jermaine and I have decided to kick it off on our social media accounts uh, with highlighting different women every day that are out here making history. So whether it's our favorite, you know, women in leadership, uh, politics, friends, family, whatever, we're going to be highlighting them. So make sure you follow us. On um, Instagram, specifically at the New Kids LLC, it'll also be on our Facebook page as well. So just make sure you're following us. And if you have anybody that you want us to highlight or you want highlight or shout out, just shoot us an email or send us a DM, and we will do just that. So, in the spirit of Women's History Month, um, this actually just popped into my head, and I wanted to get your thoughts. But I think that we are living in a very interesting time when we um, talk about celebrity culture, right? Mm -hmm. And specifically, um, it's very interesting to see this convergence, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, of social media and um, celebrity. And I say that because as I'm sitting here thinking about um, some famous celebrities that we kind of saw rise to fame from social media to TV or to movies. Um, and I'm thinking about Issa, Ray, and Quinta. And yeah, Quinta was where my mind was going to. Yeah, and it's just, it's really fascinating to me to kind of see their journeys in real time because I think that, you know, a lot of times we see celebrities either get their start as like children um, or they have, you know, famous family members or they kind of just pop up on the scene, like as the new it person and they kind of go from there. But for us to be witnessing this kind of like social media rise to fame, really interesting. Yeah. I think that I, I just love seeing the growth from like when they first started to, now and then seeing people like put the two things together like I was um scrolling Facebook the other day and somebody was like oh my god did y'all know that um 
the girl from Abbott Elementary is the same girl from the, the movie theater video where she's like, <laughs> he got money. Give it all to him. So like, I of course knew that because I am a Quinta fan. Okay. So I knew that, but it's just like interesting to see other people finally putting the pieces together and being able to see that growth, uh, which I think is amazing. And, um, it made me think of her, um, interview with Jimmy Kimmel where mm-hmm. he actually brought so Abbott Elementary is named after her sixth grade teacher Miss Abbott mm-hmm. and so uh, he brought Miss Abbott onto the show uh, virtually of course and she was able to talk with Quinta and like just that connection so to me it just really stood out to see that like even though these people are like like you said they've grown through social media and they're such these big names now um, it was amazing to me to see the impact that uh, Miss Abbott's teacher teaching or leadership style had on Quinta and to see her to be able to give her her flowers now was amazing. Yeah. And like when I think about Issa, I remember being in my dorm room watching Awkward Black Girl on YouTube. And there, like during that time, there was a kind of like a wave of black creators or content on YouTube as a whole. You had Black and Sexy TV, you had Awkward Black Girl, you had, you know, kind of just like this refreshing um, original ideas coming to life. And it was, it was being made, you know, with like little to no money or, you mm-hmm. know, people just using like basic phones and stuff like that to kind of get these ideas across. And it was relatable. Like, I could see myself in Issa's character in Awkward Black Girl. Like, yeah, I could see myself in some of these characters in Black and Sexy TV. And so to witness that journey, you know, from YouTube to HBO and beyond is, you know, amazing. And of course, people, you know, people have helped her along the way, but it's also nice to see like Issa talks about and we saw it <laughs> on Instagram when she posted her wedding photos and was like oh it's just a photo shoot <laughs> I loved it I loved it but but that separation to me is also very important because we I remember you know being a kid going to the grocery stores and seeing like tabloids and you can still see them now in like the grocery store checkouts and stuff like that but I think that social media has removed a layer of privacy from celebrity life. And so it's really, um, it's really, I guess, important or it's really um, meaningful to me to see somebody who works hard to keep that aspect of her life separate or private. You know what I'm saying? Because, we don't get that a lot with celebrity culture. I wish a lot of celebrities would do that more because sometimes it'd be a lot of stuff I don't want or need to know. Okay, that part. Like, and it's, I think what's scary to me for the celebrities that don't have that separation is that it's almost like social media makes it acceptable for certain behavior. So, like, I know we said we wasn't going to talk about these people, but this is just what it reminds me of. If you look at the situation between Kim and Kanye, Jesus, they they don't have that separation. So social media and 
everyone else has all these opinions and this openness about you know their situation they we they open it up for us to be able to like comment and give our opinions and whatever else and to me that's scary well Kim's whole brand it was built off people watching her you know exactly exactly she i don't think she's ever really had that separation to Mm -hmm. begin with and it's um and i guess if you look back throughout history you can kind of see where society um shifted from like you know of course people have always cared about celebrity lives and who's dating who but i think that with the introduction of the internet and the rise of social media and the increased level of access society craved or always wanted to know more and so that in turn pushes celebrities to feel like they always have to be out there you know or like they always have to to stay relevant. They always have to be accessible. And in in a way that's true, you know, people we live in a culture of instant gratification and people want things now and you know, you have you have to put things in front of people's faces for them to stay focused, but the negative side of that is that you have no privacy. You know, you you don't have any separation. So anything that happens in your life is on the big screen for everybody to see. Yeah. And that, like I said, it's scary to me just because I, I just couldn't imagine it being me. Like, I know how I am and I'm very like protective of my people. Like I, I don't care what maybe like they have done to me or any like issues that we may have, but like, can't nobody else come in here and say nothing. And I could not be famous. <laughs> My life, no, no. Uh, but it's, and it's not just famous people either. It's, you have politicians, you know, like, there is no wall. And yeah, you know, in some aspects, we do need that transparency because when we're looking at people like politicians, yes, I need to know what you're doing because you are, you have a voice in how you know, my life is viewed in this country. So Mm -hmm. I need to make sure you ain't doing no shady shit. But, (laughs) you know, also, I think that that has has become desensitized as a society. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's such a weird cycle to see because it also trickles down into regular society, like beyond celebrities thinking that or feeling that they have to constantly be accessible in order to be relevant. You see that um, influencing everyday people. And so then people get caught up in trying to go viral or trying to, you know, making sure that people are always watching and, it can really be, it can re- lead to some very severe consequences depending on, you know, what avenue you're taking or what you're putting out there. Yeah, it's scary. Scary times we're living in. Very yeah, I mean, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's, it always fascinates me and it, it makes me laugh because I remember as a kid, you know, being on the internet, being on websites like MySpace and Crushbot and Black Pan- Black Planet, 
If and Dropbox I, about to say Black Panther, and I, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. I'm sorry. Uh, but being in like chat rooms and stuff like that, and parents or like teachers and older, you know, older people will always be like, you know, you shouldn't be talking to strangers on the internet. Be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things like that. And now that is essentially what they do. Like Facebook has captivated the boomer crowd and beyond. And it is like, yes, people believe things so easily just because it came from Facebook. And so I always thought it was so funny. Like you said, it's like they were telling us like, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Now we got to turn around and tell the boomers, don't send your credit card information to a stranger. They need some help. It's just, it's wild. It fascinates me. Um, and kind of kind of related to that, uh, what you just said. Now, I know I've been getting on people's nerves because I've been talking about this lady for like the past couple of weeks, but I have been obsessed with the story of Elizabeth Holmes lately. She is the um, founder of Theranos, which is a company or was a company out in Silicon Valley in California. And it was supposed to be like this blood testing company and she was going to change the world. And she was like highlighted in all these magazines, Forbes, uh, you know, people were giving her money. I think she had like, she was considered a billionaire at one point. Uh, she was young too. And basically it was a fraud. Like the machine she built didn't do what she said it did. She actually just got convicted in January this year of like wire fraud and something else. But her story fascinates me because it, number one, the bar for her was so low <laughs> and people was just giving her money, like just throwing it. And I think about like, and these were older people too. These weren't like people our age or, uh, you know, just like random strangers. Like these were boomers and older generations who came up in Wall Street, or like they survived, they survived the financial crisis. They've seen all of these things. They saw Bernie Madoff. They saw all of these things happen, and they still was giving this girl money without proof. But then we'll make it so hard for people that look like us or younger mm-hmm. people not in their circle to even get past a green light. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, and that's like. That's the one thing that's just annoying to me. It's like on one hand you have like these people that are working super hard trying to get to their goals, get funding and things like things like that. And then, you know, you watch the you know, the T V series like um Inventing Anna and it's like this girl Ooh. was doing whatever she wanted to do and people were again, like you said, throwing money at her. She's another one that her story just fascinates me because like they did not know this girl. At like, all. They did At not all. know this lady from a can of paint and was just giving her whatever she wanted. And people, she would be like, oh, I left my card. Or, oh, my card isn't working. And they would just pull out their credit card. <laughs> like, are you serious? That's are the crazy serious? part. Like, I was watching that series and I'm like, not only did she, like, get all this money out of people, her homegirl came up like, wrote a book and got all this money from the book. And I'm like, what is going on? And we be out here scrambling, fighting to get 
some just a, like oh my god. Wait, this, wait, um, what, what Tupac say? He's trying to make a dollar out of fifteen cents. Okay. Somebody, I just saw this on Twitter earlier about how the president announced in State of State of the Union address that he's creating a task force, I believe, to investigate the PPP mm-hmm. loan fraud. And I'm <laughs> like, are you some of y'all serious? going to jail? Some of y'all are going to jail, and I I, I hate but, to say it, but that's so dumb to me because I'm like, you you really about to waste all this money to investigate. I think the the numbers were like out of out of the money that was given, eighty three percent were given to white businesses. However, when you're looking at PPP fraud, the majority of businesses that have been investigated were black owned. Of course, of course they were, because that's just how it's just unfortunately it's the world that we live in, and it's it's sickening. Because my thing is. If you're going to investigate these people that got the PPP loans, whether it was fraud or not, are you also going to investigate the people that approved it? You know they're not. And I'm like, I know, I know there are plenty of other causes. Mm-hmm. That this- we also got on that State of the Union address. And I didn't even watch it because, y'all, I, I just, I can't. I, I didn't have the capacity for it. But I did watch a few clips and I'm like, Fund the police. Girl, I wasn't <laughs> even going to bring that up because I'm not even trying to no, go there. We're going to talk about it because I think there's such a misconception on what what people mean when they say defund the police. Defund the police, in my eyes, does not mean we should not have police officers and we should not have to follow laws. That is not what that means. What it means is that all of the funding that goes into the police force can be reallocated for more useful things. Like we're steady education and building these jails when we could be building mental health facilities to help people navigate the mental illnesses that they might be experiencing or any just mental struggles in general that are causing them to commit these crimes. You know, first of all, that requires critical thinking skills, which you know a lot of Americans do not have. Because they can't even read. That too. But it's so funny to me because people, you know, when you talk about defunding the police, um, the first point of criticism that people always love to say is that well, what what about crime? Who are you going to call when you know, something happens. Well, first of all, police don't stop crime because it already happened. Exactly. They don't stop crime. They, they, they're, they're part of the aftermath, the after effect. And then I also saw that like, when we, when we talk about defunding the police, you have to understand that some of these budgets that mm-hmm. one city mm-hmm. department has, 20 times mm-hmm. the amount that is needed to end so many crises that we face in America today. Like, I think I saw like the New York City Police Department budget is like $10 billion. And, Ridiculous. And what's the school budget? Girl, when you think about New York City, this $10 billion 
done to improve the police force. Like, and that's the crazy part. Like, they're one of the only organizations that I can think of that they their record is continuously bad, and we just keep giving them more money. Not only that, but then the people who are tasked to investigate them are also the police. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like anytime something happens and an investigation is called, you know, an investigation is started, they're like, oh, we didn't find any wrongdoing. Well, of course you didn't. Yeah, because these are your friends. These are your pals. And it's just, it fascinates me when people swear up and down, they want to stand on this hill of blatant misunderstanding of what defund the police actually means. And I'm like, you, all you got to do on the same phone that you are using to type out this BS mm-hmm. to really understand what the concept means, but you are actively choosing to be stupid. And it's also like you have to consider, so, you know, let's say something happens and you do need to call the police. For white people, y'all, y'all can do that comfortably. But for black people, I'm normally... In any situation, I'm normally hesitant to call the police because what does this mean for people that look like me? Mm-hmm. And it's what like, are the potential consequences? Exactly. Like, it's not like you call the police, they show up, and everything's calm. They take a statement, they file a report. Like, you have to think about all of the potential consequences that could lead up, that could result from you initiating that phone call. You know exactly, and it. It's just so much that goes into it. And I, I I think that these conversations need to be had. Um, but I don't think that I want to be in these conversations. <laughs> well, first of all, and, and, you know, I, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, then you know that my stance on boomers is they can go, right? Like, I'm sick of them. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go on my rant, but y'all know how I said about boomers. But what I also realized is that getting rid of boomers will not solve the problem because there are also people in our age group Mm -hmm. who still hold on to that same mentality and still actively ignore what's right in front of them. Exactly. Getting rid of boomers, although it will be a great (laughs) first step in removing them from positions of power, (laughs) it will not solve that we face until we completely educate people, which I honestly think is impossible because look at the pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. like the information is right, is not only is the information right there, but people just willfully ignore it. Like I've, I've been seeing a lot of people lately tweet about like, oh, uh, now everything is being lifted. You know, mass mandates are ending. For those of y'all that got vaccinated, mm-hmm. um, I bet you feel dumb or like, how do you feel now? Wow. I feel great. I Listen. feel amazing. <laughs> Listen, because in my, my thing is, some people are just going to be ignorant. That, you know, just like you said, they don't want to learn. They have no desire to learn anything. So, like, I, 
people having these straight up ignorant conversations. And I'm like, how does any of this make sense? Because at the end of the day, whether a mask mandate is lifted or not, whether people wear their masks or not, whether people are vaccinated or not, uh, one thing that we know for sure, two things actually, is that COVID is real and people have died from it. And I think that when people say these things like, oh, you feel dumb and this, this, that, and the other, I think it's really just disrespectful because there are people that have lost their lives from COVID. And while like people might not have had anyone like in their immediate families pass away from it or maybe from their, in their family in general, but you don't know how COVID has impacted other people. So while you're spewing all this foolishness, you're probably hurting someone that's close to you. They don't care. They don't. And, it's, and that's why you know, I need to start getting beat up. That too. But I used to think that willful ignorance is easier. But is it really? Like, I feel like after going through, you know, from the start of the pandemic to now, I think that you people really have to try really hard to be willfully ignorant. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be committed to be that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because there is no way that you can exist in this world today without, without the knowledge. And not just about COVID, but just about life in general. When we talk about, um, you know, reproductive rights, when we talk, to, when we talk about voting rights, all of these things that impact everyday people. Mm-hmm. To, to, to stand firm on your ignorance has to be a task. I like, we are in, I just feel like it has to be exhausting being that stupid. Yeah. Cause we are in the information age. Like, if you, if, even if you take away the internet, you still have access to libraries. You have access to people. You know, like, mm-hmm. there's no way that you can still be this stupid. And it not hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, honestly, you you are absolutely correct because I'm just like, like I personally, I try to be open and I try to hear people and try to understand them because in my head, um, I always think I had a, of a psychology teacher that I once had. She used to tell us all the time, like, let's say you got an answer wrong on a quiz. If you could explain to her how you got to that answer and make it make sense to her, she would give us credit for it. So I try to take that approach in life. Like, make it make sense to me. Some stuff is just so stupid that I don't need, I don't want that to make sense to me because now I'm dumb. It makes sense to me. Yeah. And, you know, I will, like, I will engage if I, if I feel like a person's point is, has potential to be valid. I'll engage. But after a while, like, they're not receptive to any information that disproves their point. I'm I'm checked out. Like yeah. I'm done. And you know the phrase is that common sense ain't so common. It's not. <laughs> and baby, change the name of it. <laughs> but you know, also even even when I think about that phrase, you also got to think about. Everybody, common sense ain't the same. It's not because, like, common means, 
you know, that it's something that's regular. So while something may be dumb to one person or not make sense to one person, it might be what's common for someone else. It's all about lived experience. But when you have a shared lived experience and when there is a majority of people telling you that this is our lived experience for you to turn around and be like, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, like yeah, You're making this up. This is not real. You're not experiencing. But how are you going to tell me what I'm experiencing? How are you going to tell me? You're, like, this is somewhere in my job. Like, it's one thing to be like, that's not my experience, but I understand. That's mm-hmm. that I get. But for you to open your mouth <laughs> and say, this is not a real experience, bro. That's why people should be punched in the face. Listen, and, and people be like really trying it. Like, how do you decide what impacts somebody else? Worry about your, like in the words of my nephew, worry about your own self. <laughs> like, it's very simple. Worry about yourself. And at least, at the very least, try to be considerate of other people because regardless, I don't know how many times I have to say this, regardless of how you feel, all humans deserve respect. Yep. You know, as kids, we're, t- we're taught to treat people how you would want to be treated. But I think mm-hmm. that we need to break that down even further and say, no, you need to treat people how they want to be treated. Exactly. Because how you want to be treated may not be the same as how they want to be treated, you know? Mm-hmm. You and, and that's where a lot of confusion comes in. Because it's like, I always tell my friends, like, uh, that ask me for advice, whether it's friendships, relationships, or whatever, like, you have to ask your people, what does support look like for you? What does, you know, respect look like for you? Because what I might think is respectful or acceptable or supportive, someone else might not. So if we just all like are open to have these conversations, it will eliminate a lot of the issues that we have now. Like even, you know, we're talking about privacy and things like that earlier in the podcast. The same thing applies. Like just ask people. It's not that hard. So you ask in a nice way. I'd be like, do you want a response or you want me just to listen? Now, <laughs> when, I, when I'm talking to my real friends, you know, I'd be like, you want me to lie or tell you the truth? <laughs> because... This could go one of two ways. And, you know, however you, you know, it is what it is. Just yeah, because sometimes people don't want to respond. Sometimes people just want you to listen, and that's okay. I can do listen, that. Just tell me. How many sessions have we had where we just like, we just going to sit here and watch this show in silence. And then we going to feel better when it's over. <laughs> like, Look, okay. Or you know what? I'm about to just take a nap. And then... <laughs> Let me tell y'all, I was at Jeray's house a couple weeks ago, and I was like, y'all, it has been so nice. I'm about to take it out. <laughs> and that is exactly what she did. And we continued to watch TV while she snored through the episode. I got on that couch with that blanket, <laughs> and I have no regrets. Miss Mamas was knocked out. But, okay, this has been the cute little mini so It is 35 minutes, so... <laughs> So glad I made it. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you all. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and share. Uh, follow us on all social media at the New Kids LLC. Uh, we're still doing our book club. So 
Um, feel free to email us, email us about that at the new kids LLC at gmail.com. Um, if you have any features for us, any millennial minutes you would like to shout out, send us DMs, emails, all of that jazz. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We haven't said that in a while, so subscribe to our, our YouTube channel. Um, make sure you attend our uh, New Kids University. Follow us on Patreon. We have some content for you all. Um, some available, some coming soon. So yeah, check us out on Patreon. And yeah, all we got. Well, all right. The new kids are out. Bye, guys. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.